back in 1963-64 you would never have a problem with road traffic and they actually held the national road walking championships and then they started to see the interest generally develop. The whole thing is emotional because you're watching people doing things that pre-transplant probably couldn't even get out of bed and walk to the toilet, some of them. Across Denmark, external throws areas is very much the norm. Signing off from a, from a great trip really, a lot of learning, and hopefully we can put some of that in place in areas of England. Welcome back. It's the England Athletics podcast. We've been busy this month. There are trips to visit clubs in Newcastle-under-Lyme and Leighton Buzzard, where we met one man who's enjoyed the life-changing experience of competing at the World Transplant Games. As well as that, you'll hear of the innovations bringing up in Denmark as athletics lovers there trial new ideas. As always, if you have something you'd like to add, or perhaps for us to discuss, you can get in touch via the usual social media channels, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or the England Athletics website. First up, Chris Jones has sent this report from Newcastle-under-Lyme in Staffordshire. Here at Newcastle under Lyme Athletics Club, I'm here with Malcolm Hackney, club chair, club secretary and club coach. And we're stood by the side of the track here with Norman, who's president. The sun-kissed track on a Tuesday night, just waiting for people to turn up for training. And I guess this place is going to be buzzing in a short while. Oh yes, most definitely. Tuesday night is real popular night. Youngsters through to adults. Fantastic. And uh, just tell us a bit about the club, its history, when it was formed, and a bit of a taste for our listeners. Okay. The club was formed back in 1964. Two colleagues who are unfortunately no longer with us. But initially, um, what really drew these two people into sport was race walking, funnily enough. Uh, There is an estate not far from the clubhouse here. And in those days, back in 1963-64, you would never have a problem with road traffic. And they actually held the national road walking championships. And then they started to see the interest generally develop. And they happened to find this site. And you've got some fantastic space here, very picturesque. Just tell us a bit more about the arrangement you have here. It's a cinder track, seven lane, which is probably a unique situation. Here we do both training for track and field, throwing and jumping. And the age range of members these days? Eight years upwards. Current memberships, several hundred? Close to 300. Yeah, yeah. Really good. And have you noticed um, much growth since the Olympic Games? And obviously we hosted the World Championships in London uh, a couple of years back as well. I wouldn't like to think we've got growth. It would be nice to think. It's probably tapered off at around about the 300 mark. And that's probably in terms of capacity and being able to kind of keep people in the sport um, a healthy number. It is. With the coaching staff that we've got, it's probably manageable, which is you know why we want it really at the moment. We always want more coaches, as you can appreciate. But I think at the moment we're managing everybody that turns up at the track, which is good. We can give them good sessions. You're next to the college and we're also next to an academy so we get members from both we also get temporary members from up the road Keele University oh of course yeah Yeah. of course and they'll probably be second claim members here and first claim somewhere else for instance and some of them just want to still retain the first claim membership they just want to train here fantastic and we're stood outside the clubhouse which is pretty impressive uh, structure here. I would imagine you've shown me around the, the storeroom, you've got a lovely new tractor and loose fixtures and fittings and shots and hurdles. And Looking forward to uh, watching some training. 
participants just turning up and uh, thanks for your time. We've just been talking about track and field participation and competition and what we can do to keep the sport vibrant. Share your thoughts with us, Norman. Well, I think there ought to be more open events. Locally, we had four. Michelin, British Aluminium and National Coal Board. And then you got the Green Hill Bar, which is Lechfield. And you had one on Chester Racecourse where the sprinters didn't like going because it was 200 metres, <laughs> 200 metres straight. Oh, yeah. And tell us a uh, typical open meet in those days. What what would it look like in terms of events and how how did it take effect on the night? Well, there'd be all the events and we'd have a handicap. You'd send your entry form to a handicapper yeah. and he would give you a handicap for whatever performance you've done previously. In a, in a mile, you could probably get 20, 50 metres start, depending on your, on your standard of running. And so running, jumping and throwing events during the evening, lasting for what, a couple of hours? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of interest from spectators yeah, coming to exactly, watch? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, we were talking just now about road racing and there's so many more road races taking place. Yeah, well, you think that track and field could take a leaf out of the road running book? I do, yes, yeah. And, just and I think more. the athlete would enjoy it more. Yeah. Because, it, you know, you're all together on the same venue mm-hmm. and the spectators can see you, everything you do. When I was running, you see, a lot of people used to say, oh, well, I don't want to run where the spectators. But that's what gives you the, the go of... The motivation. Motivation, the spur, yeah. Yeah, yeah. England Athletics, Chris Jones from Newcastle under Lyme there. Southeast of there is Leighton Buzzard, near both Luton and Milton Keynes. And uh, this time, another club visit to see what makes this group of people special and what makes the club tick and uh, what keeps people coming back and joining as well and uh, as I mentioned earlier the World Transplant Games took place in Gateshead in August and uh, Nick Stonehouse part of the Great Britain team there among people who have had the uh, enriching experience of being called up internationally let's see how Chris got on in Leighton Buzzard as you'll hear it was a particularly windy day it's the second time that I've been to the club in the last two years and uh, quite a transformation here. We've got some new facilities on show. We've got a massive uh, long jump pit here where you can have uh, jumps from uh, four sides. Here you've got a high jump bed area. Fantastic colours of Leighton Buzzard Athletics Club. I remember the tracksuits. And I'm here with Fiona Tal showing me around tonight with Paul Brooks from Bedfordshire Athletic Association and also the East Region Council, of course, and also... Mm national official indeed and we're just here talking about the club and its growth and uh, what's happened since we were last here fiona we have been working hard to ensure that we get this high jump fan in and we have this lovely long jump facility that you see in front of you um, which has enabled several athletes to train at once it has done an awful lot in terms of boosting morale for the club. And when I was here last time, I remember this was mainly grass, and this really has brightened up the area and gives you more access. We were talking earlier about track and field participation. We had a Q&A panel up in Manchester prior to our senior championships with Tony Minicello and other athletes, and uh, we were talking about some of the reasons why youngsters drop out of the sport. Now, got a hell of a lot of youngsters here tonight enjoying the sport. Uh, give us some of your thoughts keeping them occupied constantly is the key and offering small incentives to keep them coming. We try and veer away from Haribos, but every now and then it does no harm. (laughs) I'm actually really impressed with how many people are here this evening, to be honest. And so I I think this is a really good, yeah, really good move. And I think possibly we could do more of this around the county. 
what's really useful are the, the youngsters 14 plus that we've put through the um, young leaders and the 12 year olds then see those moving into roles of responsibility and I would like to think that that encourages them also to keep going. Absolutely. Let's go and see some more activity. I mean, uh, I can see running across the field. Uh, we've got a group here who just look like they're going to do some core work and some hurdles work and uh, some jumps. Nick Stonehouse, who I met two years ago when I came down to Leighton Buzzard Athletic Club in the Sports Hall and you were throwing with a group of young throwers at that time. Good to see you again, and you've just returned from the World Transplant Games in Gateshead. How was that experience? Oh, more inspiring. Well, within three years, be putting on a GB jersey. It's just mind-blowing. And you did really well. Tell us uh, what you achieved. I got a bronze medal in the 50 metres breaststroke, a bronze medal in the 100 metres breaststroke, and another bronze in the discus. There must have been some real heartstring moments during those games, you know, you were saying earlier that it's not just the kind of transplant competitors there it's also the donors as well who come with their families there are even competitions for the donor families along with the the living donors one guy i was swimming and swimming with in the gb team his wife was his living donor my own donors i actually met back in birmingham in the british games three weeks before that was um unbelievable really really emotional hard to find the words to say to them to express we are all given the gift of life and, and the whole thing is emotional because you're watching people doing things simple things like running or swimming 50 meters that pre-transplant probably couldn't even get out of bed and walk to the toilet some of them the peak performance that i'd pick out of there is a young lad called lewis evans who can who ran the 100 meters in 11.37 wow transplantee yeah all the way up to uh, a french guy of 85 his team put him on the last leg of the 4 by 400 relay. Next stage is the British Games in Coventry next year. That's the last weekend. Not quite that far away then. <laughs> no, that's, that's where we qualify. We're one of the, the few teams in, in one of the teams in the world where we need to reach some sort of a, a qualifying standard yeah. in at least one event. After that, we're encouraged to have a go at others. Then hopefully if I qualify, it's Houston, Texas in 2021. Fantastic. Congratulations on everything you've achieved and uh, Leighton Buzzard Athletics Club seems to go from strength to strength. They've improved the facilities here as well for yeah. the youngsters to learn the, the jumps, which is yeah. excellent. And, uh, you know, final word on the club. Uh, oh. How important is the club to you? Oh, I'm indebted to them. I turned up here four months after surgery and David's taken me under his wings. Interesting to uh, hear Nick's story and also about the bit of innovation at the club in Leighton Buzzard. Afterwards, Chris caught up with Ed Hunt, the England Athletics Facilities and Planning Manager, to find out a bit more and get his view on various solutions to common track and field issues. Leighton Buzzard in Bedfordshire last night, looking at uh, a facility really that has been created through a partnership between the school, local authority and club, recognising a need, knowing that they didn't need a six or eight lane track really got to applaud their uh, kind of foresight and ingenuity to crack on and put something like this in place. Uh, are we seeing many other clubs grabbing the bull by the horns across the country in this way? Well, we've got a few examples, Chris. I suppose it's, um, it's a good alternative, as you say, to a standard 400-metre track. We've got good coverage of 400-metre ovals across England now. And there's clubs such as the one at Leighton Buzzard that have... A growing track and field group but they've got nowhere to train or they're using a grass pitch or something that isn't 
um, specific to track and field. So compact athletics facilities are a good example. Essentially, they're a kit of parts, and the only limit really is is your imagination and a bit of space. You're not as restricted um, in terms of cost as you are with a, a full synthetic track, talking half a million, a million pounds there. Whereas a compact, you can have anything from a, a long jump runway, 15, 20 grand, up to um, an all singing, all dancing facility like we've got at Stoke Newington in London, which has sprint straight, um, long jump pit, throws area, etc smaller compact facilities as we're trying to push um, which have a multi-sport angle so mums and dads can come along drop the kids off to do track and field or phonetics something like that but then go for a walk around the track or go for a bike so yeah we're trying to look outside the box in terms of future provision and generally what's the picture like across the country at this moment in time lots of fears around local authority austerity measures you know sports still being a, a non-statutory service so the first thing that local government look at are sport and physical activity facilities to make savings or maybe turn into places where new buildings can be uh, landed upon yeah it's really good actually i mean you never want to rest on your laurels when we introduced Trackmark, obviously there was a, cro- a cost of the inspections and there's a little bit of fear around about this is going to close facilities but none of that has come to fruition which is great and local authorities and operators have taken it on board and where inspections have shown a facility to be below standard um, as I say at the moment the response has been really positive from our operators and we've at least three tracks now in England looking at full refurbishments as a direct result and we've probably got upwards of 15, 20 either refurb or new projects in the pipeline which is more than I've seen in the last four or five years combined. So, yeah, it's not we're not resting on our laurels, but it's looking looks really positive at the moment. Cheers, Ed Hunt, England Athletics Facilities and Planning Manager. There, well, continuing this theme, Ed himself has been on a trip to Denmark to take things a bit further and uh, visit a particularly exciting venue that has a typical Scandinavian flavour of doing things a bit differently. So we're just wrapping up a two-day study visit to Copenhagen. I guess the main feature of the two days was to visit a couple of facilities in Adents in Denmark, um, the first one being the Athletics Exploratorium um, at the University of Southern Denmark. This was an old 1980s standard 400-metre track that had seen little investment over the, the past 20 years. The university decided that they wanted to do something a little bit different um, so they displaced the internal throws area, now provided externally, and they did a complete sort of revamp of the infield area of the track, which now includes a load of different features that attracts a, a, a host of different users now. So you've got parkour, you've got hills, bridges, stepping stones, teaching pole vault aid, uh, standing high jump, a, a load of stuff, sort of covered areas for socialising, and just a, a, a brilliant sort of concept not necessarily replicable in some areas in in the UK but certainly gives you food for thought of, of what is possible if you if you don't let the old traditional models limit your your thinking so yeah a really useful trip in that regard and also it sort of demonstrated that if you do think differently you can attract new users to athletics which is great we want new people to to start to get involved and enjoy, enjoy our sport the second part of the visit was a a dense athletics club who have a um, an excellent outdoor facility 
and a combined indoor track and field facility which is is co-located with a cycling velodrome which is an interesting uh, combination actually looks fantastic when you step in a lot of natural daylight uh, 200 meter full lane track sprint straight indoor throws area and then a velodrome around the outside of that and um, practically works pretty well between the two sports the main learning from that facility is the tensile roof structure that they use so they, they went for a, a cheaper option at the outset but i've actually found that the the heating costs of the the building are way way beyond what they they expected so actually if they'd have invested in a, a sort of solid per, more permanent structure and roofing structure for the long term they would have cut down on the heating costs which they're, they're going to have to stand the cost of for the next 10 15 years so brilliant facility but some good learnings for us if we look at something something similar in in england and and the uk another interesting bit about the outdoor competition track was the fact that um, external throws facilities are provided and when we spoke to to the club there um, across Denmark external throws areas is very much the norm so something for for us to look at in England particularly with um, sort of the options of 3G infields I mean it's not for every track absolutely but in cases where maybe venues are struggling for sustainability it's a good option but we absolutely as a, a governing body would look to re-provide throws areas externally so that throwers aren't missing out but there's some good models there again that we've learned just away from track and field just the culture in in denmark is brilliant for for running and cycling we've stayed in in copenhagen been for a couple of runs and you, you by no means the only people running out running in the morning it's, there's a host of people running cycling just being physically active which is which is great but the infrastructure very much lends itself to doing that loads of cycling lanes cyclists taking priority over cars wide areas cyclists and pedestrians and runners working together and, and enjoying the the urban space if you will so yeah again there are good examples in england but uh, maybe that can be replicated across uh, across more cities and and towns signing off from a great trip really a lot of learning and hopefully we can put some of that in place uh, in areas of england thanks ed for that report and finally in this podcast to all you aspiring coaches leaders and officials out there england athletics continues with its go coach and beating heart of the sport campaigns, looking to recruit 10,000 more qualified coaches and leaders in the sport and grow the number of officials available to support competitions. Fronting the Go Coach campaign, as we heard in one of our first podcasts, is uh, world champion Dina Asher-Smith and her longtime coach John Blackie. So let's take a closer look in this show at the quest to find more officials. Officials are the beating heart of athletics. I think a simple example is I've had a race cancelled once because they didn't have enough officials. So that alone tells you that they are the beating heart of, of the race, of the whole event, um, because without them, we can't do what we do. A lot of officials also, they're volunteers and some of them are coaches. And so they do understand what the athletes are going through on the day because uh, they can relate. And so they are very essential. Everyone thinks, you know, we are the heroes. We run the race, um, you know, we get the cheers and everything else. but. The officials are the true heroes of athletics. We don't cheer them enough, you know, every time we're doing a race, we get a clap for them every now and then, but I think it's important to, to recognise how good they are. The sport wouldn't operate without all the volunteers who do this. We're all volunteers. We enjoy coming, doing what we are doing. We love the sport. Everybody that's involved is encouraging to newcomers. We all like to be uh, part of a big family. 
we have fun. We work hard, but we have fun together. So the first step is decide whether you want to be a timekeeper, track judge, field judge, photo finish, then find a course that's going on in your area, then get a DBS check, then COFSEC is your point of contact. They will help you and encourage you to find four meetings, complete the paperwork and send that into England Athletics to become a licensed official. A brilliant atmosphere, it's a lovely warm family, it's very easy to get involved, there are plenty of opportunities. We need more volunteers in the sport to keep the sport going, it would not operate without volunteers. But it's a rewarding, wonderful job to be doing and I've been doing it for 30 years. Camaraderie, I think, is the, is the thing that I like most. I mean, I've got lots of good friends that I see periodically from all over the country, and it's a really good atmosphere. Everybody's friendly. I also like being a field official. You actually get to meet the athletes as well, which is quite nice. You also get that the athletes at the end will all come up and shake your hand and say thank you for officiating, which is is really nice, and you get you know that sort of rapport with them. I find it really rewarding seeing the looks on the faces of the athletes when they get personal bests and things like that, particularly the youngsters. I also enjoy doing a lot of the disability athletics, which is a, a, another side to it. You know, a lot of people start out as I did. I, my sons were competing and it was a case of, can you just put this bar back on? Can you just hold on to this tape? Can you just go and fetch that? And then how about doing the qualifications? And I think it's really important. Having got in at that that grassroots level that people then continue to work with and progress through the levels. Liz Pearson reminding us that whatever competition, be it the age group championships or the Olympic Games, simply wouldn't happen without officials. Before her, you heard from Margaret Afford and uh, Prince Ia, the latter from Birmingham Running Athletics and Triathlon Club. And if you'd like more information, on how you can sign up for a course, please visit www.athleticshub.co.uk. So, hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>